Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. You are listening to Countdown to Kickoff. I am your host, Anthony Denmark, Denmark Life and Country, a.k.a. Copenhagen, a.k.a. Jimmy. And this episode is brought to you by EatDrinkSleepSports.com. And since sports never stop, since sports never sleep, that means we always have something to talk about. And since Mason's back, heck, I'm back, you're back, Let's go ahead and discuss the latest happenings in the world of college sports. Let's get it. And welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome back to Countdown to Kickoff. I love the show so much. After last night, I decided let's go ahead and do it again today. And as per usual, we are now 203 days until week one of the 2017 college football season. Since sports never stops, since time never stops. To all my college football fans out there, I know that you are counting down the days, counting down the hours, counting down the seconds. Know that you are not alone. Again, Countdown to Kickoff is brought to you guys by EatDrinkSleepSports.com. We have a lot on tap for today's show. And we have new guests, which I'm excited about. Uh, since a champion has been crowned, we're going to be talking about the recruiting classes. A week ago, high school students declared. Now some, of course, are moving on campus, skipping their proms in an effort to try to become the next Jalen Hurts. Some, of course, are enjoying just the last few days, a few months of high school. So we're going to talk about it because these guys have been wooed for about since eighth grade. So we want to know what should we expect. Of course, each college prospect comes into a different program with different expectations. However, based off of the success of your program, the expectations are always much higher. Of course, on last night's show, we had the luxury, the pleasure of being able to preview and talk about the reigning national champion, Clemson Tigers. And we also talked about that other team that played in the Final Four, Washington. So if you get a chance, you want to find out what we talked about on there, be sure you check out that podcast as well. But on tonight's show, we're going to talk about a band or a boycott. No, we're not talking about the Muslim band. Oops, should I say that? No, we're talking about the Coach O band. Coach O'Brien, you may ask, well, we're going to talk about it. In addition to that, we're going to talk about some Hokie Nation. Can you guys believe it was 16 years ago introduced to the world in the 2000 Nokia Sugar Bowl against Florida State? 16 years ago. 
for those who, of course, remember where they were when they watched this game, remember where they were when they saw Mike Vick make everybody look slow, even Florida State speed slow, then you know what? You're getting kind of old, man. Hey, it's okay. I'm getting kind of old, too. So we're going to talk about the Hokies because we do know that, of course, year in and year out, players come and go. But, damn, did we expect that many players to leave the Hokies? I mean, we knew that Isaiah Ford was going to leave. We knew that Bucky Hodges was going to leave. But did we expect Gerard Evans to leave? Well, nevertheless, since declarations are now final, we do know that there's going to be a new quarterback in town. Josh Fuente Josh in his second year. What should we expect from the reigning ACC Coach of the Year? So that's what we're going to talk about on today's show. In addition to that, we're also going to continue our segment that we've been talking about in regards to moving day. Last week was signing day. It seems as if right now is moving day. As coaches are leaving at accelerated rates, just so happens to be after National Signing Day. Coincidence? I think not. So who's moved on today? We're going to talk about that later on on today's show. Now, of course, I don't know about you guys, but I'm excited. For some reason, I know this that a lot of other podcast shows find themselves having a very difficult time finding things to talk about. But for my football fans out there, you know that sports never stops. You know that sports never sleeps. You know that although you can talk about the Charles Oakley incident that took place at Madison Square Garden, you can talk about Kevin Durant trash-talking someone that he played in the game of NBA 2K. You can talk about what LeBron said, but you know, you know there is nothing like college football, nothing at all. So we'll deal with the appetizers of the March Madness, which, of course, has been anything but pathetic. Although I do want to say congratulations to Villanova's basketball team, not for the seventy-five point, the seventy for scoring seventy-five against Georgetown, but because on their way to the game, Georgetown on their way to the game to go against Georgetown, the Villanova basketball players pulled over on the side of the road and saved and turned over a truck that had people inside of it. Now, of course. Oftentimes, athletes find themselves wanting so much attention for what they do wrong. I listened closely today. I'm an avid listener of sports because I love sports just like you. But I didn't hear anybody talking about it. Of course, they were probably talking about the 92-point score uh, by LaMelo Ball. But nevertheless, I think that it's a great story, and I'm looking forward to more stories like that coming out. But, of course, we do know when it comes to college basketball, since college basketball is so horrible, so acute, so boring, so disappointing, you got to find something to talk about. So, hey, I guess that story just wasn't as compelling as a sophomore kid scoring 92 points in a game that will ultimately end up being 142 to 126. Nevertheless, as I go on, like I said, we have a lot of things on tap for today's show. Uh, we're going to be talking about the LSU Tigers. Now, of course, at the start of the season, well, Les Miles was just a coach and the grizzled guy with the raisin. I call him the raisin case. Nobody expected 
that the year would end with the Raging Cajun not only being appointed as head coach, but also be giving a three-year contract to be the next head coach. But uh, nevertheless, that is exactly what happened. However, you do have to ask yourself, you know, for a guy who pretty much made his reputation based off of recruiting, and we knew that at his last stop as a head coach at Ole Miss, hotty toddy, good gosh almighty, we didn't really know what to expect from him. And we can't really judge particularly if, in fact, Les Miles would have been able to duplicate it, the same outcome that Coach O did. But we, blind faith, we had, we'll give him a chance. But so far, you know, you get an opportunity to make a first impression. And thus far, Coach O is batting zero for five. You say, Denmark, why are you saying five? Well, let's see here. When he took the job, he said he was going to get the best offensive coordinator in the country. We, of course, all knew who he was referring to. He was not referring to the offensive coordinator at Pittsburgh. He was referring to his buddy, his pal, his former colleague in Lane Kiffin. That didn't work out. Then it was discovered that, you know, the expectation was that this also, the Shinsuke, in fact, is a good recruiter. Just in fact that he actually is a defensive line, former defensive line coach, we would be led to believe that, you know what, we know that we're going to get the cornerbacks. We know that we're going to get the linebackers. With Coach O at the helm, the expectation was that we were going to get some defensive linemen. Because last I recall, when LSU was really LSU, not just in name but also in talent, not only in name and talent but also in championships, it was based heavily off of the impressive array of talent that they had at the defensive line. You had Jackson. You had Dorsey. You had a bevy of defensive linemen, not the edge rushers, defensive linemen. But those days seemed like an eternity away as we see that those things, unfortunately, have not yet yielded such a positive outcome at this particular juncture. And you have to truly ask yourself, why? I say bad at 0 for 5. So recruiting day came along. The presumption was that this guy was going to be able to get Marvin Wilson. I mean, you got to have some beef if you want to play in the SEC. You definitely got to have some beef if, in fact, you were hired because the coach who preceded you was unable to beat Alabama, a.k.a. ground and pound. So the presumption was that Marvin Wilson was a lock. But, like I said, 0 for 1, now 0 for 2. And, I mean, you know, don't get me wrong. It's definitely nothing to be too embarrassed or disappointed about when your class still finishes within the top ten. I mean, according to some recruiting services, it was number eight. According to other recruiting services, it was number 11. But nevertheless, that was an impressive class. I'm sure Ole Miss would have liked to have that class. But as I continue, 0 for 2. Because at this particular juncture, you say to yourself that the contract for Coach O is so small, so minuscule, 
but it provides a great opportunity for LSU to be able to get out of this contract after a year. Because honestly, right now, I, I really have to ask myself, what the hell is going on in LSU? And it's then to make matters worse, then you make noise, you hear that there's a boycott. And no, we're not talking about the boycott down the Selma. No, we're not talking about the boycott that's going on right now, specifically in regards to airports at TSA. No, we're talking about a boycott of college players, of, of high school coaches in the Louisiana area that have made the decision that they felt that they had been. Oh, I say it, I say it again. You've been had. You've been took. You've been hoodwinked. Bamboozled. Let us spread. Run them up. Oh, I say it, I say it again. You've been had. And you may say, how? Well, one thing that I've learned from my time in Louisiana, I lived there for four years, is you know that they look out for their own. It's pretty much a family, extended family. And if you stay or befriend somebody for long enough, you find yourself being adopted into that family. And there are certain things like trust, integrity, and honor that are three characteristics that you find yourself defining what a family is. Coach O, in his first year, full year now as the head coach, Seems to have already violated those tenets. As a day after recruits had signed on the dotted line, Damian Craig, wide receiver coach, Jabbar Jaluk, running back coach, were let go. And so to the players who signed on the dotted line, trusting and believing in Craig, who is a Rolling Stone. I don't think I would trust that he was going to stay anywhere. But specifically Jabbar Jaluk, who was a former high school coach in Louisiana, the coaches was pissed. The coaches weren't having it. The coaches said that, you know what, if in fact you cannot look out for one of our own, then you know what, maybe we should go ahead and go the stiff arm and not allow you to be able to recruit at our schools. Now, of course, we do know that Louisiana is a very fertile recruiting ground. And we also do know as well that schools like St. Aug, which, of course, is where Leonard Fournette came from, schools also where the Honey Badger came from, schools like John McDonough, schools like Edna Carr, schools like Mac 35, schools that I all worked at as well, uh, they got players. And you want those players. You need those players. Without those players, you're going to get fired. So what's the state of that boycott at this particular juncture, at this particular time? It seems as if they're in a position of stalemate. Nevertheless, this is not a good look at all for Coach O. Because you got hashtags going on, like not my LSU coach going on Twitter. And you say to yourself, like I said, the state of Louisiana is like an extended family. And once word gets out that not only that you're not looking out for the best interest of their players, then you don't stand a chance. And when you look at this recruiting class for LSU, at least at this particular juncture, you can honestly say to yourself, where's the beef? 
the linebacker. You got Kavon. You got Kavon, who's awesome. He's an edge rusher, but you always get edge rushers. Edge rushers mean nothing if, in fact, you can't stop the run. We saw that with Marquevious Mingo. We saw that with Sam Montgomery. Where is the beef? Until these questions get answered, right now, Coach O is batting 0 for 3. And if it gets to 0 for 5 and it ends up resulting in him getting his butt handed to him yet again by Alabama, hey, man, it may have been good, but it also may find itself being incredibly short. But, again, you know, as I say in life, as I say in sports, ladies and gentlemen, we're definitely going to see what's happening. And, of course, we're definitely, I mean, definitely going to see what's up. Now, I had a guest on that was supposed to talk about LSU. He had a little delay, but I think your boy Denmark kind of touched on all the points. I am excited to see what Canada does with Pittsburgh, what he was able to do in Pittsburgh. Now you give him the talent in LSU, we're going to see what he does with Brennan, the promising quarterback. We're going to see what he does with Narcisse, the other talented dual-threat quarterback who's recovering from a torn ACL. I'm really intrigued to see what Brennan brings to the table. He had an opportunity to go ahead and transfer, but I truly believe that he, of course, holds the key not just to LSU, but also in regards to Coach O's longevity. It's always good to come home. But you know what? (laughs) Sometimes the worst thing that can happen is when you get kicked out of your home. Because when you get kicked out of your home, in the case of Coach O, you have nowhere else to go. But again, as I say in life, ladies and gentlemen, as I say in sports, we're definitely going to see what's happening. And of course, of course, we are also definitely going to see what's up. Now, of course, because when you think about it, we don't really have much questions about the defensive side of the ball. We really don't question if, in fact, there's going to be playmakers in the secondary. We know that for some unforeseen reason, five-star quarter wide receivers are still going to go to that offense, despite its inefficiencies, despite the fact that you know that you're not going to be able to maximize your full potential at that particular school. But nevertheless, blind faith, may yield results, or blind faith may find itself leading to a quick transfer. But again, like I said for the third time, we're definitely going to see what's happening. And, of course, we're definitely going to see what's up. Now, transitioning, we do say we were going to talk about the Hokies. Ten and three, ACC, Coach of the Year, Josh Fuente, Quarterback Whisperer, Andy Dalton, Jared Evans, and also Paxton Lynch. Who's going to be next? Let's go ahead and talk about these Hokies. Welcome to the show. Hello there. Speaking with? Yeah. Uh, you're currently speaking with Joshua Schneider. I am a recruiting writer for the SB Nation website, Gobbler Country. Okay, awesome, awesome. Now, one of the things that one of the things that was awesome about Virginia Tech is they have developed a reputation specifically in regards to recruiting. They don't look at height. They don't look at size. They don't look at measurables. If, in fact, you're an athlete, they'll find a place for you. And when you look at the Hokies recruiting class, they brought in 27 guys. 
what do you see, how do you see them being able to address such a massive exodus on the offensive side of the ball? Well, I think it's still going to be a process because this, this was going to happen eventually, and Justin Fuente knew it when he took the job. Gerard Evans was put in as a short-term placeholder until a, another quarterback could be developed. They had to start winning to improve recruiting. That's beyond debate. Gerard Evans' stats in junior college were ridiculous, completed that in his one year at Virginia Tech, doing very well, being one of the top four or five quarterbacks in the ACC. Um, It's going to be a process. All the quarterbacks there are new. A lot of the wide receivers outside of uh, Cam Phillips, who I believe is the second leading receiver this year, is brand new. And a lot of the running back core is going to be brand new. So it's going to be a – this is a transitional year that was going to happen eventually, but at least it comes on the back of a year where the Hokies saw a lot of success. Absolutely. Now, again, one of the things that's awesome, we're going to focus specifically on the quarterback position. Now, of course, we do know that you never want to see your leading rusher as well as your leading passer go, but there is talent at the quarterback position. And people oftentimes find themselves forgetting the guy who came up second. Josh Johnson, who is a dynamic player, nearly beat out Gerard Evans for the starting job. Tell my listeners a little bit about this dynamic guy. And, uh, of course, at this particular juncture, he's starting out as the uh, presumed starter. But we do know, of course, uh, AJ and um, I can't forget the. AJ may have something to say about that. Well, Josh Jackson is an interesting story. He was originally recruited by Scott Leffler, who is actually currently the offensive coordinator at Boston College. Um, he is the son of a friend of uh, Coach Leffler, and he's from Michigan. It's a little outside of Virginia Tech's bounds now when Leffler was let go, when Frank Beamer retired, Jackson decided to stick around because Justin Fuente has a history of doing really well with quarterback development. Jackson is an interesting case because as a high school player, not only being the son of the coach, he also actually threw a lot for a high school player. He had a very successful team out of Saline, Michigan, He's accurate. He's a dual-threat guy, but he's definitely more of a uh, a pocket threat than he is a running threat, not to say that he can't run. Um, but he was rated three stars on a couple of the sites, but ESPN had him as a very highly rated four-star. He has a lot of intangibles that could come up in this, but um, the other two quarterbacks, A.J., uh, A.J. Bush, A.J. Bush being a former transfer from a community college after spending a couple years at the University of Nebraska, and uh, the new early enrollee, Hendon Hooker, might still figure into this competition. So it's, it's sort of wide open right now, but, yes, Jackson's probably the presumed starter at this point. We'll see what happens when spring, uh, when spring uh, practice goes on. Absolutely. Again, I'm on the line with Josh Schneider. He covers the Virginia Tech for gobblercountry.com. Now, of course, you spoke about this dynamic early enrollee and Herndon Hook information about it, and my jaw just completely dropped. During his time in high um, school, 
He threw for over 6,000 yards and also nearly rushed for also 3,000 yards and 48 touchdowns, which is something that's simply amazing. Yeah, Hendon Hooker is a very talented prospect that he kind of didn't get as much pub because after he committed to Virginia Tech, he was considering offers from Notre Dame and a couple other schools that are, you know, of very well repute. But after he got a hold of Virginia Tech's offer and committed, he kind of shut down his recruiting. He's a three-slash-four-star player. He's, you know, 6'6", about 210 pounds right now. He's putting on weight because he was kind of skinny in high school. But he's known for his big – he's got a huge arm and a really great release. Coach Cornelson, the offensive coordinator, particularly likes his release. He's mobile. He's fast. He's just um, – he's an interesting prospect because he's definitely a taller quarterback type, which is kind of the archetype that Fuente does prefer rather than Jackson, who's only like one. So we'll see where it goes, but having an early enrollee on campus when we only started out with one scholarship quarterback um, going into spring practice after Evans left and Brendan Motley, our backup, graduated. So it'll be an interesting competition to see. Absolutely. Now, of course, we do know that, I mean, you lose Isaiah Ford, you lose Bucky Hodges. I mean, these guys are going to hear their names called very early on day one in the NFL draft. Who do you see stepping in uh, to possibly uh, try to fill in those roles? Well, there are a couple things. One, we do not, we did not end up losing Cam Phillips, who was our second-leading right. wide receiver last year. He's a very good slot type, um, almost got to 1,000 yards, which considering Isaiah Ford, this uh, the season previous to this last one was the first Virginia Tech wide receiver to actually break a thousand yards in our school's history. Um, he's very good. He's very shifty. He's a third down weapon. He's going to be able to step up even further into the spotlight. But there's a lot of very talented freshmen and redshirt freshman wide receiver that they've brought in over the past couple of years. One of them being um, early enrollee Caleb Farley out of North Carolina. He's a game-breaker with ridiculous speed. He used to play quarterback at his high school, but he's probably going to be suiting up at wide receiver. You're looking at, with him, probably someone that's running around a 4-3-ish 40 time, and he's very athletic and polished. He's like 6'2". He's like 180 pounds. He might end up being one of the breakout players this year. Absolutely. Of course, we focus almost primarily on the offensive side of the ball. Let's go ahead and move on the defensive side of the ball. You know, this guy by the name of Bud Foster, the most impressive defensive coordinator, in my opinion, in the entire country. Now, one of the things that was awesome is that Virginia Tech signed its first five-star player since this guy by the name of Tyron Teller. Tell my listeners a little bit about Hunter, who was ranked as the number three safety in the country, who decided to stay home. Devin Hunter is one of those recruits that can really pull on um, other recruits' heartstrings because he's a big-time guy from the Virginia Beach, um, Newport News, Norfolk area, the 757 as it's called by its area code. There's a lot of talent down there that Virginia Tech has really tried to get back to drawing from, which it's one of the – places where a lot of Virginia Tech's talent came from back when Virginia Tech was 
much bigger in uh, college football landscape. And that wasn't even that long ago. But he's fast. He's versatile. He does. He did a little bit of everything for his high school team, which Indian River was a very competitive team in that particular division these past couple of years. And he does a little bit of everything. He hits hard. He's of great size. There's going to be shuffling in the secondary in the next couple of years at Virginia Tech, so he's going to have a lot of chances to come up and be very impressive. Absolutely. I'm, of course, I'm excited about Josh Winter, who in his first year, of course, got coach of the year. Also, it seems as if the Virginia Tech Hokies are ascending upward. I uh, want to thank you for calling into the show, and I definitely want to have you on throughout the offseason because I'm sure, like yourself, although Virginia Tech basketball can be interesting to watch, there's nothing like hearing into the Sandman on the first game of the season. Thank you so much. No problem, sir. Have a good evening. Now, of course, one of the things that's often interesting about college football is, yes, you know, we do know at times that the the people with the certain right measurables, the right speeds, oftentimes find themselves garnering most of the attention. But at programs like Virginia Tech, which is one of the things that's oftentimes overlooked, is their ability to be able to develop players, players who, of course, may not have the initial look of a promising D1 prospect. However, redshirting, giving some time in the strength and conditioning program, giving some time to work specifically uh, with the assistant coaches, find themselves being able to find gym after gym after gym. We saw that, of course, with Corey Moore. We saw that, of course, with Javier Adibi. We saw that, of course, with Kevin Jones, who was a five-star. We saw that, of course, with Andre Davis. I can go on and on. Ernest Wilford. So it's going to be interesting, although it seems as if Hunter, which deservedly so, has gotten most of the attention for being the star of this recruiting class. We do know that there will be several diamonds in the rough uncovered, if not immediately, but eventually. So I'm excited. I'm more than sure that you are excited as well. So let's go ahead and transition. Like I said to you guys before, a couple of weeks ago was National Signing Day. Well, it seems as if moving day has continued. As I read one story that I was just in shock and amazement of, as the defensive line coach for the Georgia Bulldogs, the defensive line coach who was primarily responsible for recruiting, he was dismissed. And, of course, we know at this particular time of the year, coaches oftentimes get promotions, go to different programs. We know that coaches oftentimes may find themselves retiring to be able to spend more time with their family. However, unfortunately, in the case of Rocker, neither one of those are the reasons why he was fired. Rocker made a huge mistake, and it wasn't a mistake in regards to violating an NCAA rule. It was in regards to violating the code. As Rocker was fired for yelling at a five-star recruit's mom. Now, of course, I'm more than sure that you can presume that if, in fact, a coach representing a program yells and nearly gets into a fight with a mom of a player that they're recruiting, 
that it wasn't no surprise when Aubrey Solomon decided to go ahead and leave the state and go to Michigan. But I think in the case of Rocker, it was just the final straw. Because if, in fact, you're getting paid $125,000 a year, the expectation is that you're going to be able to produce in regards to the area that you are a specialist in. And in the case of Rocker, the expectation was that he was going to be able to help put a fence around the Peach State and being able to secure talent and not allow some of those talented players to go elsewhere. Yes, he was successful in signing a five-star defensive lineman in Trent Thompson, who, of course, now was a junior at Georgia. But outside of that, he swung a lot, but he missed a hell of a lot. And you can't miss a hell of a lot and explain and justify getting paid $525,000 a year. And I guess yelling at a five-star recruit, irregardless of what the issue was about, is unacceptable, downright deplorable, almost to a degree is even more heinous than cheating. Right, Wakey Leaks? I'm more than sure that this gentleman, although well compensated, will not be unemployed for long. I'm more than sure that he may actually find himself probably still in the SEC, probably at some other program, you know, like Auburn, who oftentimes has a habit, a history of taking on other college programs' headaches. So we're going to see what happens with this situation. But there is definitely, we know that there are NCAA rules, but there are also just some common sense rules. And yelling at a player's mom is just one of those rules you just cannot violate. It's a fireable offense. It's a firing with cause. But, again, they found somebody. They found the defensive line coach from Ole Miss who was happy to go to Georgia, happy to leave. I'm sure Mr. Scott's bags had not even been packed yet, unpacked yet. He's probably still living out of a box, probably still sleeping on the floor. He's already moved on. So, again, with this situation, with this dilemma, we're definitely going to see what's happening. Of course, we're definitely going to see what's up. Because, like I said, it's move-in day. So who else moves today? Well, it's a song I like, used to like, still like, quote, by the great Little Wayne. He said, it's a revolving door. You're coming. Of course, I believed out what he said, but in the case of college football, in the case of Oregon, in the case of Willie Taggart's coaching staff, it's a revolving door. Coaches leave, coaches coming. Because after another week, after National Signing Day, he lost another member of his staff. As Mr. Daughtery no, not the guy from basketball, was dismissed. Now, of course, this dismissal was one that's more than justified, but this makes three dismissals from Willie Taggart's staff, and they haven't even started the season yet. And we're not even talking about the issue in regards to players being hospitalized during their off-season workouts. Now, at the start of the show, I gave Coach O a hard time. 
But, hell, Coach Hoke can at least say that, hey, you know, none of my players have been in a hospital because of off-season workouts. They didn't say that. They didn't say that at all. But you do have to truly ask yourself the question in regards to Willie Taggart and his decision-making. When you have coaches leaving like this, it has to make you question how much background checks were done on these coaches before you decided to bring them to Eugene. Now, I'm more than sure that Oregon, the house of Nike, although Eugene is definitely downright boring to visit, I have visited, and I definitely was looking forward to my days of returning back home to wherever that was at that time. I'm more than sure they'll find a coach. I mean, you know, like I said before, Damian Gregg, we know he's a rolling stone. Wherever he laid his hat was his home. He laid his hat in War Eagle with Auburn. He laid his hat at LSU, laid his hat in Florida State. I'm sure he'd be more than happy to lay his hat in Eugene. And we do know that oftentimes, although we do know that Damian's Gregg's stay at whatever college program he is at will be short-lived. We do know that he has developed a remarkable reputation of being able to recruit. And unlike fertile recruiting grounds like LSU, fertile recruiting grounds like Alabama, Auburn, and Florida State, down in Eugene, you need recruiters. You need recruiters. And you need players from the South. Now, Willie Taggart, of course, has his connection to Florida due to his success that he had down at USF, and I'm more than sure that that streamline will continue to roll as much as Willie Taggart can get it to do so. I mean, three-hour flights all the way from one coast to the next, irregardless of how impressive the facilities may be, is still a long-ass ride. But nevertheless, having someone like a Damian Craig may be something that's quite appealing. Although I do hear that this receiver who played for Oregon, there was this guy by the name of Craig Mayo, who, of course, won wide receiver of the year, an award during his time down in Oregon, who is also being mentioned prominently for the Oregon wide receiver coach job. But, again, you say to yourself, that's all fine and well if, in fact, you want to recruit players in Oregon, which is where he resides. But since you know that the importance of your program relies on the ability to be able to recruit at a national level, you know, I know, everyone knows that you've got to get somebody to be able to go down south because Willie Taggart can only do so much. However, we also do know as well that Willie Taggart can't strike out again. There was a reason why Damian Craig was reassigned at LSU. There was a reason why he left Florida State. There was a reason why he left Auburn. And it wasn't just for the money. So you ask yourself, in the case of Willie Taggart, who's already fired two coaches or reassigned two coaches or seen two coaches be dismissed, you say to yourself, will he be willing to risk hiring Damian Craig? Again, 
as I say in life, as I say in sports, ladies and gentlemen, we're definitely going to see what's happening. And, of course, of course, we're definitely going to see what's up. Now, one of the things that I'm very intrigued by is being able to notice subtle things that oftentimes they find themselves mounting itself into a colossal problem. And, of course, like I said, we're specifically talking about moving day today. And I found myself talking about previously about Scott, the defensive line coach, who after six weeks left Ole Miss. Now, of course, like I said before, assistant coaches come and go all the time, especially after National Signing Day. But if you thought the attrition at Oregon, at LSU was bad, the attrition at Ole Miss is downright horrible. We're not even going to talk specifically or focus primarily on the unimpressive recruiting class from being ranked number five in the country last year to finding itself way down in the rankings. But also you look at the attrition in regards to coaches leaving at an accelerated rate. At this particular juncture, we're not even in the off season yet. This happened during signing day, before signing day. Ole Miss has already lost and replaced five coaches. One, two, three, four, five. And I tell you, no one's talking about it now. But there's a reason why these coaches initially take the job because they need a job, but as soon as another opportunity, they're leaving the job quickly. They're leaving Oxford and having their bags sent along the way. And you say to yourself, what is the reason? What is the cause? Hugh Freeze will probably give you a Bible verse. Hugh Freeze will probably give you some type of explanation demonstrating that the reason why the state of this program is due to negative recruiting. Hugh Freeze may give you a bevy of reasons. But I'll tell you this right now. When coaches leave, when players leave, it's a reason. And if we thought Ole Miss's season was bad this past year with Chad Kelly at the helm, I'm really scared to see how things are going to be through the offseason until the NCAA decides to lay its hammer down. Because, hell, UNC is still waiting. Hell, Baylor is still waiting. But I guess the funny thing or awkward thing, even though it's not really funny, it's really disappointing, it's really heartbreaking to think that everybody can ultimately end up turning themselves and saying, hey, we ain't Baylor. And you know what? In closing, I have to ask myself and ask, pose this question to you. Does the amount of money offered to you no longer matter when you have to consider the work environment that you're going to be working in? Because Matt Roll, he took the money. Matt Roll, who had a pristine reputation, built the Tipple program from the bottom up, took over for Al Golden and kept on ascending upward. Jim Grove kind of did the same thing. And Jim Grove could not wait to leave Baylor. We already have the incidents with the Texans. We already have an incident with Brandon Washington, former Miami, arrested for soliciting a prostitute. 
You think Matt Rule is rethinking that decision yet? Well, until next time, we'll continue to talk about college football. The sports never stops. Sports never sleeps. I want to thank my listeners for tuning in. Remember, we have 203 days until kickoff. And if you're like me, you're counting every one of them. Look forward to talking to you guys tomorrow. Stay tuned. Peace. Thanks for tuning in to Countdown to Kickoff. Our show airs live every Tuesday and Thursday at 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. If, in fact, you missed the show, make sure you subscribe to the podcast by typing in count and the number two and down, one word. While you're at it, make sure you also follow the latest happenings in the world of sport with us at Eat, Drink, Sleep, Sports, and the number two. And you know what? If you've gone that far, be sure and check out our website for the latest happenings as well at eatdrinksleepsports.com. Until next time, call us sports for- Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.